0: Just yes, Wow. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, we've mentioned a couple of times this morning that you know that today is nine eleven, and um, it, it's it's common for us to recognize to realize that when there are sudden shocking heavy events that happen, uh, that we remember those things. They are anchors or they are points in time that that we uh, don't forget. But in addition to that, we often will remember where we were when those events happened. If you were of age and uh, around when... Um, the events happened in the 40s uh, in, at Pearl Harbor. Not only do you remember that event, but you remember where you were when you received the news that that event had occurred. If you were around in the 60s and of the age that you can remember what was going on in life, And the word came that our president had been assassinated. You probably not only remember that event, you remember where you were when you received that news. Twenty-one years ago, there was a similar event of tragedy and shock that happened in our nation and And if you're probably in your early thirties or a little bit later, you were old enough to remember those events unfolding and where you were. You might have been in a car listening on the radio. You might have been at work, you might have been at school. you might have been at home. you might might have been any number of different places but but you probably remember where you were, the moment that you heard and realized, And understood what was taking place on this day 21 years ago. And as you think about that, that place is embedded in our memory for life. We just don't forget that place. Now that place is not ground zero. We know where ground zero is what was referred to and what has become ground zero. But in a sense, that is our ground zero. That is the point that we are anchored to, that place, that location, the moment that event became reality to us. And as we think about that and we go through life, there are events, there are times, there are places that become for us our ground zero there's a story in luke chapter 13 if you have your bibles and i hope you do turn with me there today luke chapter 13 there's a story we don't often talk about it it's not discussed a great deal it's not taught on very often but it is a moment in history in the nation of israel and god's people that should be remembered, and that should capture our attention. Luke chapter 13, beginning in the very first verse. Now, on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Wow! What a statement! What a... a, a, One verse... That is so impactful, the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will be all likewise perish." Or you just suppose that those eighteen on whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. These events were sudden, shocking events. And they were embedded in the minds of the people. And they came to him talking to him about these events. They came questioning about why they happened, how they happened, what was meant by their happening. They were inquiring as to what is this all about? And so as we look at those questions and those thoughts, and we consider his response and his answers, I want us to think about what lessons we can learn that can help us today as we learn from the past to prepare for the future. That's what's happening in this text. Learning from the past to prepare for the future. The first thing I want us to see is this, life is uncertain. Life is uncertain. In these events that Jesus is responding to in the text today, there was an occasion that they were bringing in their, their government, if you would, their, their government insignias, uh, their government markers, and they were putting them all over the city of Jerusalem. And the Jewish people didn't like that. The Jewish people were opposed to that because they were worshiping the true and living God and they were setting these things up as, as idols to be worshipped, to be honored, to be looked up to. And so they were opposing that and they were letting their voice be known. And so in order to, to squelch what was going on, Pilate had some of his people dressed in, if you would, in plain clothes, they they mingled among the Jews and and they had hidden weapons. And in the midst of that moment of worship, they drew their weapons and they began to slaughter the believers. And so we have this idea that they're asking this question They're They're talking to Jesus about this thing that they remember when when Pilate mingled their blood with. The sacrifices. You understand what he's saying? They they were at a moment of worship. They were a moment of engaging it with their Lord and sacrificing to Him and praying to Him. And at that moment, their blood was mingled with that of sacrifices. What a tragic moment. What a thing that marks in history and, and reminds them, life is uncertain. Who would have imagined that when they went to worship, their life would be taken sam said it earlier who would have imagined 21 years ago people got on a plane to make a trip people were were you know going to work in the building people were just living everyday life and suddenly in just a few moments all of that was changed lives were taken lives were devastated Families were broken apart and destroyed. People were left alone, weeping and full of sorrow and emptiness. And what? Questions. Why? Why does something like this happen? Why did it happen to my family? Why did it happen in this place? Why did these events unfold? Life is uncertain. There is no guarantee of life even to the end of this service today it's not guaranteed it's not promised it's not there it's uncertain and we need to to understand that it is uncertain it is insecure in many ways and realizing and recognizing that from the events of the past and understanding of how that influences and impacts us and we live for the future And so understanding that life is uncertain, that things happen, and we didn't always plan them. Sam led well into the message today, talking about his neighbor. Married for many years, going through a divorce. Life's uncertain. Who would have thought the day that they said, I do, that their marriage and their hopes and their dreams of their future would end in divorce? people who, who have cancer. You never think it's going to happen to you, but then the day comes and the diagnosis delivered and, and suddenly you realize that there's a devastating disease that is ravaging your body. Life is uncertain. We don't know for sure what the next moment is the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year holds for us. The second thing that we see in the midst of this that relates to to 9-11 is that evil is real. Evil is real. Life is uncertain. Evil is real. Evil in the instances of this, this story that Jesus is being reminded of and that he's responded to like the evil of 9 Now, I want you to know there are two distinct differences here in regards to, to the idea of evil. And, and is someone sinful? And that's why these events have unfolded. Notice what he said. He said, do you think that, that because these things happened, that these people were more sinful than any of the other Galileans? And he said, heavens no, that's not the case. Then he says, or what do you think about these folks when the tower fell? Did you notice that? That was, was a tragedy and there were lives that were lost, but it wasn't instituted by evil. When a, a tornado comes, when, when an earthquake happens, when fires are devastating and taking lives in the West... These are natural events. It's not generated by evil, but still the result is the same. There's devastation in life that is lost. And so Jesus is helping us to understand in his response that evil is real. There are things that are instituted by evil that we encounter in life. And here is Pilate taking, planning, plotting, and taking the lives of of believers who were worshiping and, and he's taking their lives because he's evil. And we look at 9-11 and we understand that there are people who were evil, that, that this was not an accident, that this was planned and plotted, and evil was carried out, and lives were taken because of that. But there are occasions that life is lost, that devastation comes, that challenges are faced, and evil's not a part of it. But what he wants us to understand is that evil is real. Evil exists, and evil impacts our lives in many different ways every day. And on 9-11, 21 years ago, evil changed our world forever. Forever. It will never be the same as it was before. And that's the story that Jesus is dealing with today as He talks to these people, as He is sharing with them. And, and, and the scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, listen to what he says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's a loose translation, but that's what he's saying in Jeremiah 17.9. He's saying that the human heart... Is deceitful and that the human heart is wicked and that evil is real. It does exist and it is something that we have to deal with in life. But thankfully, Romans chapter 12 and verse 21 he says, Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Evil can be overcome. It is real. It does exist. And we need to acknowledge that and know that and understand that, but know that God's Word says it doesn't have the last word. Evil is not always totally in control. That we can overcome evil with good. That we can rise above evil with the good, and that is with the Lord. And that's the third thing I want to see today. And we say it a lot, and, and I, I love that we say it a lot. God is good. God is good. And we need to understand that. That we need to understand that that He cares for us. That the Scripture says that God is our refuge and our strength. He is our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, what does it say, do you know? We will not fear. God is good. God is our ever-present help. He's our refuge. He's our hiding place. It says, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, we will not fear. No matter what devastation comes, whether it's a tornado or an earthquake or a fire or, or, or a, a pandemic or whatever things may happen whether evil institutes what comes in our life and the devastation, he says it doesn't matter in all of those circumstances and situations. We understand that God is good. He is our hiding place. He, he is our strength. And though he says the, the earth be shaken and, and the mountains were to fall in the sea, we're still not going to be afraid because we have God and God is good. God will always care for us. God will always see us through God will always be present. He will be there to help us and and to lead us and to guide us. Understanding these truths help us to be able to face life, life's tragedies and difficulties and challenges as well as victories and to move forward in life because we know that God is good. That God is always present and always available to care for us And to meet our needs. How do we know God is good? How do we know that God is present? We know that by His people. We know that by the actions of those who love Him. And who are called according to His purpose. We know that because of how we live as believers a good clue of that the scripture tells us and and a good clue of that 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 is in in carried out in history it tells us that that we are a representation of the goodness of god philip yancey wrote a book and the book is entitled where is god when it hurts Many years ago, that he wrote this book, but after 9 11, he released the book again in order to help people as they dealt with the devastation and the aftermath of 9 11. But it had a, a, a new introduction, or, or at least a new explanation, in the beginning of the book in regards to where is God when it hurts. And this is what Philip Yancey wrote in in the opening of that book a good clue is to find God's people when it hurts standing in line for seven hours to donate blood working through the night to find survivors holding candlelight vigils kneeling in prayer in the U.S. Capitol finding some way not only to endure but to prevail that's where God is when it hurts He's in His people. He's in in the presence of those that are around us. And His goodness can be found in our actions and how we respond to those devastating things that come in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know it as the love chapter. And and there's all kinds of instruction and, and principles and teachings about love as we go through that chapter. But when we reach the end of chapter 13. Listen to what it says. Now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. He says, listen, we don't always know, we don't always understand, but someday we will. Devastation happens, difficulty comes, challenges occur, and we look around and we, we don't understand. We don't know why. Well, what's the purpose behind this? What's the reasoning to this? But someday, he says, we'll be able to see more clearly. Someday we'll be able to understand. There's an old song by Charles Tinley, and it says, we'll understand it better. By and by, there'll come a day that we will better understand all that God has done and has carried out and provided for us in our lives. And that day comes and we look forward to it. And that's the next thing he wants to know hope is available. There is hope for the future. We learn from the past in order to prepare for the future. And preparing for the future has hope. Hope that says there is a day that's coming, that there will be blessings, that there will be answers, that there will be understanding. All of those things are in the future. And so we have hope for the future. Paul affirms that in the book of Romans chapter 8 in verse 31. He says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's hopeful, isn't it? If God is on my side, then who can stand against me? then yes, there's evil in this world, and yes, things will come, and yes, life is uncertain, but if God is for me, who can devastate me? Who can be against me? Who can overcome me if God is on my side? God is for you. God is for us. He is on our side. He loves us. He cares for us. He desires the best for us. He wants life for us. That is life that is abundant. And full of the blessings that He has to offer. And if He is for us, there is hope for the future. There is hope for tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. And there's hope for eternity. If we believe in Him and we are His children. And we belong to Him and are a part of His family. Then He says that there is hope for the future. That there is the possibility that there is something better for us down the road. The stories told and, and communicated of, of a, uh, 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 in his book, Turn My Morning to Dancing. And a soldier was captured and placed in prison during war. And as he was placed in prison during the war, he had no news. No news of his family, whether they were safe or whether they had survived. He had no news of, of home, his hometown or, or anything. And as, as time drug on, he began to lose hope. He began to become discouraged. And it was evident in, in his life, in, in his physical character, in his attitude. And, and that lack of hope of anything, any news or anything, began to really devastate him. Until one day there was a letter that arrived. And it was evident that it had been a long period of time and that this letter had traveled a lot of miles and been through a lot of hands. But when he opened it, there was a brief message, not a long letter, but a brief message inside. And it simply said this, All as well as at home, we're hopeful for your return. And the story goes that that soldier upon reading that letter and understanding that there were people who were still at home, people who were waiting and looking forward to his return, and that it began to instill a hope in him that someday that might happen. And his life began to change, his physical being began to change, his attitude began to change, everything began to become different for him the moment that he understood that there was some hope. Of being reunited with his family and those that he loved once again. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is something that can change our hearts and our minds. And, and we look and we say, what can we learn from this type of devastation? Well, notice what Jesus said. We have a choice. And he said, do you suppose that these people were more sinful than other Galileans and that's why these bad things happened? He said, no, that's not the case. He said, and unless you repent, you're also going to perish. Do you suppose when the tower fell and these these people were killed that, that there was some reason in their life that those things happened? And he said, no, but unless you repent... You will likewise perish. What was he saying? He was saying we need to learn from the past in order to prepare for the future. We need to learn from these events of calamity and devastation. And we need to learn from them that we have a choice to make to prepare for the future that we have a choice to make, that there will come a day that we will pass from this life like everyone else and we will face the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Or the day will come that He will return and we will face the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But either way, He says, you've got to repent and you've got to change. You've got to make the right choice and you've got to be ready for the future. And so today, I would say to us, as we look back on 21 years ago, and there's still questions that are unanswered. There are still things in our mind that we wonder why and how and what could have been done to prevent this devastation and these things from happening. But there are lessons to be learned. And the most important lesson is this. Life is uncertain. Evil is very real. But God is good. And there is hope for the future and the choice of that hope and that future belongs to you and I. We choose whether we are going to believe and accept and be obedient and faithful and we have hope because of that choice of eternity in the kingdom of heaven or else we can choose not to. And he says, in the words of Jesus, you will likewise perish. You will likewise go the same way that they have gone. If we do not choose to follow Him. So this morning, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. And as we remember and we strive to never forget the events of 9-11 and the lessons that can be learned from those events, we have a choice. We choose the hope of our future and the help of our Lord. We learn from the past in order to prepare for the future so if there's...